Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. My name is Bella and we are here for another week, which is very, very exciting. Guys, I'm being so organised. It is Wednesday and I'm pre-recording the podcast. I say pre-recording. I've noticed that other podcasters literally record weeks before they post and then post. You guys are getting an up-to-date life update. I don't want to, I don't want to be reporting when it's not actually true i need to be telling you guys what happens every single week because then i feel like we're in touch then i feel like it's a proper facetime so mm, i don't think i'm going to start doing that i also don't have the mental capacity to be recording weeks and weeks in advance if i was to do that i'd have to take a break from episodes and that's just not going to happen but anyway let's get on to this week's life update this week i actually have things to talk about because i haven't just been studying which is it's quite an achievement. It's quite an achievement. I finished uni on Friday and I went to Manchester, which was so lovely because I haven't seen my boyfriend, as you guys know, in like weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. So it was really nice to see him. And we had a really lovely weekend. It kind of felt like a holiday type weekend because we hadn't seen each other in so long. We just did loads and loads of nice things. But my bank account is not happy. It is not happy in the slightest. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So what did we do? On the Friday, we went to quite a few pubs and it ended up getting accidentally quite drunk, which meant that sun- Saturday, my hangover, oh, this is why I think, you know, now I was like my relationship with alcohol. I think right now my mindset with it is, is if I drink, I have to be mentally acceptance. I've been mentally accepting that the next day is a write-off. The next day is not going to be okay. And sometimes that's worth it. Sometimes that's okay. And it's okay for that to be worth it sometimes. But also sometimes it's not worth it. And I think that's where my headspace at. Like on Friday night, I had nothing to do this weekend. So yeah, I was going to go out to the pub and like, it doesn't really matter. And equally this weekend, it's my housemate's birthday. I'm having a party and obviously I don't have anything due. So I'm like, I don't mind being hung over the next day. But casually drinking, that makes it, that sometimes isn't worth it. But anyway, on the Saturday, then we just had like a really, you know, like a date date. Like we just went around shopping and we went and got coffee and we went to the kilo sale. I got this Levi shirt and I got this other kind of like cardigan type jumper. It, it's like, gives me American high school vibes. It's like got, I'm undecided on whether or not I like it, but I think I was just being stubborn and a bit hungover and wanted to buy something. It was only £10 for the shirt and the jumper because it was a kilo sale. So if I don't wear it, it's okay. But you know when it's gone a bit bobbly with the wool? It's gone a bit bobbly and that makes me just feel like it's... I don't know. I don't know if it was like an impulsive purchase. It probably was. I nearly... This really was an impulsive purchase. I nearly spent £50 on a bracelet. Where was that money coming from? I don't know. I can be so impulsive with purchasing things, but this bracelet was so pretty. It was like woven silver. And now I really want one because I have two. One that matches my boyfriend's necklace, which is really cute. And then I have um, my one from Bali, which is like the Balinese flowers. I think it's the frangipan flowers. I have those two that I wear like all the time. And then I want another one. I don't know why I need another one, but I just really want another one to... I was trying to think of a good excuse as to why I need one. Like, what could I celebrate? Because I feel like each of my pieces of jewellery are a thing that I'm celebrating, you know? Like, I got my Bella necklace when it was my 21st with my grandparents. I got my, like, Tiffany Hart necklace from my mum when I was 6, 17. I think I was 16. It was either, like, it was an important birthday. It wasn't 18, though, so it must have been 16. And then my other one I got for um, my boyfriend, I think, when I was, like... 19, 20? No, I can't be 19 because we weren't together then. Maybe 20? But I feel like each of like my jewellery that I never take off, each have to have like a special thing behind them because then I like it when I don't take them off because it, like, it feels like it means more. I had no reason to buy this necklace, this bracelet. Like none at all. Maybe that's why. Also, it didn't fit. So that was the other reason why I didn't buy it. But I wouldn't have been mad if I did. It was so nice. But anyway, we went to the other, like, I don't, that was in, like, Affleck's. If you guys don't know, Affleck's in Manchester is such a good jewellery shop. They always have, like, the best things and the customer service is so lovely. Um, So, yeah, would definitely recommend going there. And then, what else did we do on Saturday? Oh, and then we started to both, I went into Zara on a hangover. I think I had a death sentence. 
what was I doing with my life in there on a hangover? It's so intense. There's so many people. I found it. I watched this TikTok video about these base, like these essential tops to have. And I've realized I don't really have many basics, like a classic t-shirt, a classic, like, you know how it's like the vest top look, but it's reversed. So it has like a low back and a high neck. I want one. I really want one and I found them. But again, it's going to cost me like a £50 splurge to get all of these basics. I was like, do I really need them? But I think I do because it's stopping me wearing many outfits because I just don't have the undertop to wear it with. Like I only have one white baby tee and that's not enough because a lot of my clothes, like you know when you want to wear like cardigans or shirts or anything like that, they need a top to go underneath. And as I only have this one top, if that top's dirty, there's no other options. So I am going to purchase them. I don't know when. Maybe today. Maybe today's going to be a treat yourself day. I'm not feeling very well. So maybe I just need to look after myself and buy myself some clothes, maybe. But anyway, went into Zara. It was a nightmare. Quickly had to leave. Went into M&S. Equally a nightmare. But their skincare range at the moment, really nice. Really nice. They've partnered with Clinique. It's really nice in there now. Um, and then me and my boyfriend quickly realised that we were starting to feel really hungover. So we went home. You know when you like you overexert yourself and you need to go back. Well, we went back. And have you guys watched the new series of You that yet? This should probably go in the new things I've done this week because I yeah. To be fair, I shouldn't probably speak about it. But phew, mind is blown. I have finished it, and the next series comes out on March the fourth. Oh, it's so far away. Okay, apparently it's not. Apparently that's only three weeks away. But still. I am obsessed and I don't want to say anything in case you guys haven't watched it, but oh, so good. So good. Also, other things. We then on the Saturday, we went like, we did again another, I feel like Manchester's very nice to go like, there's not loads of museums, but it's nice to go for like shopping and walking around. Like on a sunny day, which it was sunny on Sunday, it felt like I keep wanting to say Barbados and Bethlehem, and it's neither of those, and it's not Brazil, it's <laughs> Barcelona, Barcelona, there we go, it feels like Barcelona, Manchester on a hot day when it's sunny, not even necessarily hot when it's sunny, I feel like the buildings everything give me Barcelona vibes, and I love it, so we were just walking around, and we went and we got food, and then, and then, we went to what, we went to the cinema, and we went to watch The Whale. I kid you not, I cried for two hours straight. Two hours straight. As soon as that movie turned on, I started crying. And by the end, I was sobbing. But it wasn't like, like me and Lou were talking about this. It's not like a surface level. It wasn't like, you know when something sad happens on a film? A dog dies on a film. It's sad, but it's not like deep-rooted core sadness. It is sad and I will cry, but it's not like afterwards I'm going to be questioning my life choices and just being like, that was really heavy because it's not as heavy. This film was like deep core sadness. It was incredibly well done. It was, it was incredible. It was like, I haven't watched a good film like that in months it was brilliant. The acting in it was incredible. The, like, I don't want to put you off by saying it was, it was a sad film, but it was a brilliantly done sad film. The, it had, um, you know, the girl with ginger hair in Stranger Things, um, her brother, I can't remember the names. Um, anyway, her, she was in it and she was the daughter. And then the guy who plays Tarzan, he was the main character in it. I think he's called Brendan something. He was incredible, absolutely incredible. It was, I don't want to say too much because I just really want everyone to watch it because it was one of the best films I've watched in so long and I couldn't recommend it enough. Also, The View now have like reclining seats and everything and it was like so nice. It only cost us £7 each, so I would definitely recommend that. But before that, we went to the pub. I've just done a lot of pubs this weekend, I can't lie. We did like a miniature pub crawl accidentally um which was really nice but maybe that's why I was more emotional in the film maybe I don't know but I was it was so intense and then and then because I'd cried so much and my face was so puffy the next day it was like our valentine's day because we're not gonna do it on actual valentine's day for the reasons I have previously explained my face the next day was so puffy it was so puffy but I had the loveliest time we went 
I thought we were going to go to the Ivy Asia because my boyfriend was like, we haven't been there before. It's somewhere you've always wanted to go. And that's somewhere I've always wanted to go because we haven't been to that one before. And no, we went to 20 stories, which I didn't even know what 20 stories is. So when we walked up to the building and it just said 20 stories, I thought we were going as like a business suite. Like I had no idea what we were going into. And it turns out it's this restaurant on the top of Man, like with 20 stories high. And you can just look out over all of Manchester. And it was so sunny. And like the sky was so clear that you could see across everywhere. And because we went at like lunchtime and we stayed there, we don't know how we managed to make it last so long, but we were literally there like four hours. Um, we kind of got to start to see golden hour and it was so beautiful and the food was so good. And I would highly recommend it. It was a really lovely, like it was expensive. Um, it was like a special treat type thing, like definitely not your everyday. But for two cocktails, it was £24, which is expensive, but it's not crazy expensive. That's pretty standard London price. So, which doesn't make it cheap. It doesn't make it okay, but it makes it more kind of, okay, well, if I'm going to be spending this much money anyway, I'd rather be spending it overlooking the entirety of Manchester, you know? And it was really nice to do something like that. And then afterwards, we were going to go out like we were like oh let's go for a drink or something like that let's do something else but we just realized we we're both really tired after like it had been quite like intense because I feel like we hadn't seen each other that we wanted to fit so much in so we just came back and we finished you and I really need to be careful not to speak too much about it in case you guys haven't watched it yet but oh my god I'm shocked and then Love Island oh <gasps> Will, oh my god, it has blown my mind. I can't believe. Okay, if you're not into Love Island, this will be a very quick two minute rant about Will and Jesse. I thought Will and Jesse were forever. They were the ones I was pinning all of my hopes on. I thought they were going to win. Everyone knows how much I love them as a couple. I thought they're so cute. No, Will kissing. I can't remember the other girl. Jesse's going to be heartbroken and. Oh, what we think, my house think this is going to happen is that Will is going to break up with Jesse. No, no, no. Will isn't going to break up with Jesse. He's going to get to the end and then realise that he actually likes Jesse and then it's all going to come out in the film. Do you know like the little movie part? <sighs> I am worried about them. But anyway, anyway. And then yesterday I travelled all the way back home and now I am back. I've submitted my stats report. I did the biggest clean of my room yesterday because Jesus Christ, when I'm stressed, my room just goes into like absolute disarray. That was a fancy word. No, disarray is not really that fancy, but it was like, it needed a clean. I hoovered everything. I wiped everything. I tidied my drawers. I, it's really, it's looking great. It, it looks very clean at the moment. Although I've realized one of my walls is a bit bare. There's nothing on it and I need to put something on it, but I don't really know what to put on it. And so I need some help with that. But anyway, we should probably get onto the content of this week's podcast episode because I am meant, I'm not feeling very well. And I was meant to go for a run, but I just don't think I'm going to because I think I need to listen to my body and look after him. So this makes me feel like I shouldn't go for a run and I should just rest myself. I'm going to go for a walk because it's really sunny and I need to leave the house. That is important. I also need to go to the library. So I might like combine those two activities. I have a call at one at four. I mean, about my summer project as well. Guys, it might actually be sorted. I might have a summer project. How exciting. How exciting. It's in Colombia and it means I get to stay in London all of summer and then I get to go out there for two weeks if I want to, which is incredible because I know some people really want to go abroad for like eight weeks and I would love to but just not right now I think it's realizing what's going to work for me and what isn't going to work for me and I that just isn't going to work for me right now having to like stress about renting out my room doing all of these other things no it's not for me I have started to think about where I want to go in September though I think I want to go to Thailand I think my heart has been set on Thailand because Bali was the most incredible place but I really want somewhere where I love the food and I love Thai food. Like, mm, oh my God, I'd be so excited. And so many people are in Thailand at the moment. Everyone I know is in Thailand and I really want to go to Thailand. So watch this space. I think we're going to have a You've Got Mail series in Thailand. Oh, I get to do all the little Thailand updates like I did for Bali. I can't listen back to those podcast episodes. You know, the breakup series. I can't listen back to that because it's, it's too emotional. It's too emotional. I am so happy. And no, thank you. But anyway, I should probably go on to the content of this week's podcast episode because actually thinking about Bali. So 
This week, we're talking about overthinking, FOMO, main character complex. Basically, I think all of these things are fundamentally connected. And I didn't think they were until I was planning the podcast episode. And then I was like, oh my God, it's a cycle. But I want to talk about this more then. But it is related to those Bali episodes because I have never overthought more than I... Well, no, I have. But in Bali, I was massively overthinking everything. And the FOMO was incredibly big, which is ridiculous because I was in Bali. Like, it was awful. And it was ridiculous. And it got to the point where I was like, why am I ruining experiences for myself? It's ridiculous. Like, this is the best experience I could ever have wanted. I'm so happy here right now. And yet I'm not in the present moment. And it's ruining things for me. It didn't ruin it. I had the most incredible time and like, it was great. But in all honesty, like I was overthinking out there and I was overthinking about a lot of things and it did taint certain experiences, like not ruin, but just taint certain experiences. And I think that's something that I want to talk about because I feel like it's something that not a lot of people speak about. Well, no, everyone speaks about FOMO, but I don't think people talk about like the damaging impact of FOMO because it's ruined things for me and it makes me feel shit afterwards and it's so all-consuming and I just, I don't want you to feel like you're on your own with it. So anyway, on to the content for this week's podcast episode, which is FOMO, overthinking and the main character complex. So today we are talking about FOMO, the fear of missing out, overthinking and the main character complex, because these things sound very different. They sound like they're not related. And I also thought they weren't related. I'm just going to move because I've realised I've sat really high and this is probably distorting the sound for you. Um, so I also thought these things weren't connected, but they are. And I will tell you why during this podcast episode. But the main thing I want you to take from this podcast episode is realising that negative feelings will never impact your current situation positively. They're going to never make what you're going through better. They're only going to make it so much worse, so much harder, so much less enjoyable. They are consistently going to taint the experience for yourself. It's never going to make it better. It's only ever going to make it worse. And I want you to know this so then you can logically reason to yourself that these feelings that are going on in your head, this FOMO, this fear of missing out, this overthinking, this thinking that the world is against you isn't benefiting you in any way and I feel like once you know those logical thoughts when you know that logic behind what is going on then you're better able to fight against those thoughts that are trying to dominate your life and dominate these experiences and take the joy away from them so first off let's start with explaining what FOMO is so FOMO my understanding of FOMO like FOMO stands for the fear of missing out it's that experience where you think Like, it's when you're doing something and other people are doing something else and you were having a lovely time doing whatever you were doing. You were really enjoying yourself until they posted a picture on their Instagram story and you saw what they were doing and you thought, oh shit, I wish I was doing that. I wish I was doing what they were doing. My thing's actually really shit. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not actually having a good time. And this FOMO, this fear of missing out, for me, it stems from... I think one of my big insecurities is not feeling like I belong somewhere, not feeling like I'm connected with something, like feeling like I'm on my own in things. And so my root thought, this won't be the same for everyone, but my root cause for FOMO is thinking that I don't belong and thinking that like me missing out on that is reflective of me not belonging somewhere, me not being wanted, me not being welcome, which it is not. That's just what my root insecurity is. I think a lot about what our root insecurities are and what how they play into different things and how they play into different parts of our lives. And I think this is what I'm now realizing is one of my biggest root insecurities is feeling like I'm not welcome, feeling like I'm not where I'm meant to be. And I think that's why my FOMO stems from feeling like if I'm not, if I'm missing out on something, it's because by me not being there, I'm missing out on their friendship, I'm missing out on like making those memories with them, then they won't like me anymore. And it just starts this whole entire spiralling overthinking of I'm missing out on creating memories with them, for example. Then... I am not going to be as good as friends as they are. Then they are going to like move on in their friendship without me. Then I'm going to be left. Then I don't belong anywhere. Then I have no friends. And it's just this constant cycle. And I think this also then feeds into that overthinking about different things that people say, because it's not necessarily just FOMO, the fear of missing out that like feeds that root insecurity of feeling like I don't belong. The overthinking what everyone says, the overthinking what everyone's doing also supports that because sometimes people will do things without you and you're not going to get invited and it will be nothing to do with you as a person it could just be that you weren't there in the moment 
like for example this is so this is a perfect example my housemates went to this really cute farm like a few like a close walk to us I didn't go if I was feeling insecure I could have been like oh they didn't invite me because they wanted to go on their own and blah 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 that wasn't the case in the slightest. They just made the plan when I wasn't there. And I know that. Like, I'm not saying that that's what they did, but I'm just trying to use that as an example to show you that your insecure way of thinking can create a narrative that isn't always true, that isn't always the reality of what's happened. And that insecurity in that narrative will constantly play through and it'll find constant ways to reinforce itself. It will always try and show you that something's going wrong, that something's not right, that someone doesn't want you to be there because it's leading back to that root insecurity, you know? I feel like this narrative, that root insecurity, the narrative of that root insecurity can manage to weave its way into any type of thing. And that's why it's so important to be aware of it. And it's so important to be aware because then you can acknowledge when that narrative is playing out, when it's not going to plan. And this is what I was thinking about overthinking, because then that overthinking also will... Like, if you overthink something, there's this thing in stats where there is a limit to the number of statistical tests you can do on a piece of data because eventually you will find something that is significant. Eventually, if you do enough testing, you will find something. So you can't do that many tests because whether or not you find something and you find it... So if you find something and it's not significant or it is significant, if you've done enough tests, it's no longer relevant. And I think this applies to a lot to overthinking because no, if you think over absolutely every situation that you've ever gone in eventually you are going to find something that supports the narrative that you're thinking in your head that supports the narrative that kind of breaks you down and makes you feel shit not that that's necessarily true that thing that you're thinking of the thing that you're overthinking you had to sift through so many memories and data and conversations to find that one small fact but the fact is now you've found it, now you think it's true, now it's re-supporting that narrative that's going on inside your head and that's not always true because like back to the statistical test thing, if you go through enough memories and conversation, by random chance, someone is going to say something that supports the narrative that's going on in your head. And this is why overthinking is so dangerous is because, well, dangerous sounds a bit dramatic, but I think it is dangerous because eventually with enough overthinking, you will change an entire experience for yourself. And this is why I want to talk about FOMO and overthinking today, because they can massively taint the experience that you're having of something into something really negative. As I mentioned in the kind of life update, when I was in Bali, I feel like this is the best example of it. But even over the weekend when I was in Manchester, there were things that I was overthinking and there was things that I was missing out on that made me think that I was in the wrong place, that it would have been better to go back home and that I shouldn't be there anymore because I'm missing out on things that are more important. And it was a really, it was sad because it massively, it tainted those experiences. It it took me, it took me away from the things that I should be currently doing. And I think my also issue with FOMO is that it stems from this need to be doing something else, this not being grounded in the present. And I think I am not grounded in the present. I'm always planning or worrying about something or overthinking something. I'm not very present and it's something that I'm aware on and it's something that I'm trying to work on but the truth is it slips into everyday life often you know it's so easy when I was in Bali I remember crying on one of the days just like and me and my boyfriend were talking he was like you are literally in Bali right now why are you feeling like this here like stop overthinking everything stop worrying about everything you're in Bali we're on a beach we're watching sunset like just be here and I just found it really hard to be there but I know how important it is. And I also know that finding it hard isn't a valid excuse. Like, not an excuse because that makes it sound like sometimes you can't help it overthinking and the worst thing someone can say is just stop worrying. But also, I need to be better at combating these thoughts because I don't want them to ruin any more of my experiences because they do ruin experiences. They taint it. Because when I think back to that sunset, I'm not thinking about how incredible that sunset was, how nice my drink was, how great the conversations that we had were, the music. I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about the fact that for some strange reason, I was on a beach watching sunset, drinking a coconut, listening to live music, and I was overthinking about something back at home. You know? And it's weird. I think this also stems from, I don't know if it's an ADHD thing, or if it's just like a general thing. Ever since I found the ADHD diagnosis thing, I've been really like, is it the ADHD or is it just me? So I'm trying to remember that, like, I'm just going to say it's just me. Um, but 
one of my things is that when I'm not working or studying, I constantly feel like I should be working or studying. Like I almost have FOMO for work. Is that a thing? I don't know. Maybe it isn't a thing, but I genuinely think I have FOMO of work because I'm scared that if I miss out on doing work, then I won't be able to succeed. And I feel like it's this constant need to do everything, need to do absolutely everything that drives me forward to do everything but it's also really damaging because I remember another time I feel like I spoke about this on the podcast where it was like the first time my boyfriend had come up to London and we went out to brunch together in Notting Hill it wasn't Notting Hill it was somewhere else I don't know but we went out for a lovely brunch together and I nearly burst out crying because of how much I was stressed about work and I was overthinking everything that I had to do and again it's that lack of being present it's the way that that me not being present in the current moment is meaning that I can't deal with anything else. I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm not thinking about the present moment. And I think this is where it comes back to realising that your feelings and that worrying, they're not making me study more, you know? They're not... In that moment, I'm away from my desk. I can't physically study. Therefore, I'm not going to study. So what am I doing overthinking all the time about how much work I should be doing when I'm not doing work? you know? And I think this also about FOMO, when you're scared of missing out, it's normally because you're doing something else. You're doing something that means you can't be there. That overthinking, that thought pattern, that pattern, I said that weirdly, that thought pattern, that narrative isn't changing where you are. It's not getting you on a train. It's not getting you over to the place that you should be in. So you need to stop thinking like that because it's not changing anything. It's not changing anything. And this is what I want you to realise is the logic of like, overthinking these things and being scared you're going to miss out being scared you're not going to do enough being scared you need to question what your root insecurity is question how these feed that root security because then when you are feeling like this you can take a deep breath and be like it's okay they love me for me and I am okay just because I'm not with them doesn't mean that they don't love me and I think this is another thing about FOMO and like not realizing that it's like the key thing about FOMO I think it starts to dissipate as you get older because you realize that people around you your friends they love you for you and they of course want you to be there they of course want you to be there they love to spend time with you but equally if you can't be there they're not going to dislike you anymore they're just grateful for the time that you can spend together and they like they understand when you can't spend time together And I think this is the other thing, it's kind of that root insecurity is my now understanding of myself, me feeling that I don't belong, is realising that my friends and the people around me love me for me. It's not not like a situational thing. It's not that I have to be there for them to love me. They love me regardless. And if I'm there, it's great. If I'm not there, then it's fine. And it's taking, it's taking kind of like, can you say like the crutch of the relationship, the kind of the bridge between you and them isn't in the things you do together. It's in your and their relationships as people. Therefore, if you're not with them, you don't need to be scared of feeling FOMO or anything like that because you know that they love you regardless. You know that you're going to have them regardless of what happens. Now, I'm not saying that you never need to make time for them, never need to spend time with them. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying in those moments where you can't spend time with them, please try to remember that that doesn't mean that they're going to love you any less. It doesn't mean that they're going to pick other people over you. Life is not a competition. I think society has a really toxic way of presenting friendships as competition. And that is not how a friendship should be. A friendship should be something where you feel totally content in their love for you and you feel content in your love for them and you realise that nothing is going to change that. And sometimes you're going to be able to see each other and sometimes you're not, but you know that that friendship is always going to be there. I think, when I think about me and my best friend, I don't know if it comes with like age or if it comes with the length of friendship because I know me and my best friend haven't seen each other for like months. But I don't have any insecurity in our friendship. Like I know we're still best friends. It's just time hasn't matched up. And I need to have that type of narrative going forward that type of like logical of course they still love me it's not it's nothing to do with the lack of them picking something over me that's it's not like that anymore and I said at the beginning that this all links to the main character complex and I bet you were like how but I think a lot of the FOMO and the overthinking and the overthinking starts to so the main character complex is this idea like you're your own main character in your story and it's true everyone is their own main character 
I think about the world in reference to me. You think about the world in reference to you because it's it's just how we are as people. That's always what you're going to be. And I think we fail to realise that no one else thinks about you as much as you think about you. You think about you the most out of every single person, which is how it should be, because you are you. If you didn't think about yourself the most, then that's not good. Like You deserve to think about yourself a little bit. But I also think this kind of like main character complex type way of thought can verge if it goes too far. If like you then, so it's like a fine line of realizing that you are your own main character, like making this incredible life for yourself and everything. Great. Then it's like a tick, 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 tick. And then it goes into like the red section and the red, like the orangey red section is like thinking that everyone else thinks about you as much as you think about you which I'm not saying people don't care about you. I'm not saying people don't love you. They do. They love you. I'm sure you're a great, incredible person. But they're not thinking about you as much as you think they're thinking about you. Which also goes back to this FOMO. If you're scared you're missing out on something, although obviously like your friends, they want you there. They want you to experience it with them. But the fact that you are not there will not be playing over and over on their minds. They're going to enjoy that experience and then look forward to the next thing that you can all do together. They're not going to be dwelling on it as much as you're dwelling on it. So you should really stop because they acknowledge that in that moment, okay, you're not there. Well, they're still going to have a good time. Just like you're not there. So you should then have a good time in whatever you're doing. And I think it's that thing, realising that people care about you and they love you, but they are not constantly going to obsess over your every single move. And also with the overthinking narrative, realising that they love you and that you obsessing over whether or not they like you, whether or not they say something about you and everything. As I said, it's that statistical, eventually you're going to find something. But realising that they're not thinking about that like you are. They're not obsessing over you like you're obsessing over them. So please stop, because although you think, although you are the main character of your own world, you're not the main character of theirs. And you're giving unnecessary time to them when they're not giving that time to you, and nor should they. You should be so focused on yourself that you're not constantly worrying about what everyone else thinks. And it's easier said than done. But the thing that helps me when I'm on this runaway train of thoughts that keeps spiralling and spiralling and spiralling is realising that I am not going to be able to stop this trail of thought unless I start logically reasoning with myself. You have like something ridiculous, like 30,000 thoughts a day, okay? If you listen to every single one of them, you'd be so overwhelmed with life. You don't need to listen to every single one. And once I started realizing that these runaway trail of thoughts, if I listen to a random one that says, oh, you should be over there and I let that dominate, there will be thoughts that support that. Of course there will. Out of 30,000 thoughts, there's going to be some things there that feed that narrative. And it's going to be so hard to stop. And so the way that I stop this emotional thinking is kind of logically pausing and questioning myself and being like, what does this mean? Why am I feeling like this? Is this true? I'm not saying it always works and I'm not saying I never overthink. I overthink all the time. I get scared of missing out on things all the time but it does mean in that moment I'm better able to calm myself and I think that's what's important is realizing that you're okay in yourself just because you're not there doesn't mean they don't want you there just because you're not there doesn't mean they're having a better time without you there none of those things are true it's your narrative that you're putting on a situation all that is true is that they invited you to something and that you couldn't make it end of that's it there's nothing else there's no other fact about it okay instead of that now you're doing whatever you're doing now and just focus on that experience because I promise you, if you carry on dwelling on all the things you can't do, you are never going to enjoy the things you can. You are never going to be present in what you're currently experiencing. And I don't want that to be the dominant experience throughout your life. I don't want that to be the current narrative that's always surfacing. So what I think you should do after this episode is sit down with a notebook, with a journal and write down what your fundamental root insecurity is. You might have a few, you might have one, you might have none if you're very, very lucky, but I'm pretty sure all of us have some. Write down what that fundamental insecurity is and then start thinking about, like I like doing like a little mind map, like I put that in the middle and then do like a circle around it and kind of like draw things out of it that how, what narrative does that feed? What things of my thought patterns does that link to? And once I've acknowledged the things that it links to, when I see it resurfacing, when I feel like I'm experiencing FOMO, why am I experiencing FOMO? I'm experiencing it because I think people don't want me to be there. I'm thinking people don't want me. I'm thinking I don't belong places. That's what that fear of missing out is constantly like. 
re-emphasizing to myself and then I realized that that's not true that's just my insecurity playing through and I need to stop feeling scared that I'm missing out on something just be happy that they're having a good time and happy that I'm having a good time and I think also being aware then about how your main character complex can mm, make your mind think more thing like make your mind be more focused on things that aren't necessarily true you know make you think that Like, it's important to have a main character complex and it is important to make your life as incredible as you want to make it. But it's also really important to be aware that not everything is as you think it is. Not everything, everyone is thinking about you as much as you're thinking about you. And that's good. Stop stop obsessing over everyone's tiniest thought to you, tiniest sentence to you. Because quite often, as I said with the statistical analogy... If you sift through enough different things, eventually you will find something that supports this narrative that's going on inside your head and it will drive you insane. So please, please stop doing this. But yes, I think we have come to the end of this week's content part of the podcast. The main things I want you to take away are realising that these feelings, these negative feelings are not going to change your current situation. This negative feeling about FOMO isn't changing the situation that you're not there. So please try and be more in the moment. Try and be more present. Try and realise that these extenuating, not extenuating, external circumstances don't change what's going on inside. But if you can change what your fundamental narrative is, if you can change what that root core, or even not change, just be aware of it, you can stop that narrative dominating in so many parts of your life and you can finally start to try and be present in the things that you're enjoying. But I really struggle with this and I don't want you to think that I have it all figured out. I don't. I do these things and I still find it really hard, but I think it helps if you're aware of them. I think that helps to tackle it. But anyway, on to the question parts of this week's podcast. So welcome to the question part of the podcast. We are going to answer, I say 10 questions. There's quite a lot of questions. and I realise what I'm doing at the moment is answering every single possible question and it's making the question part of the podcast take ages and you might be losing interest. And so what I'm going to do is record 10 questions. If you can hear my housemate coughing in the background is because we are all ill we are all ill in this household and we have a house party tomorrow and you know it's not it's not boding well but we're gonna be fine we're gonna be fine we're gonna power through we're going for tapas and i can't wait i'm so excited and it's her birthday and she has no idea what surprises we've planned but i don't want to say anything too soon in case she's listening but i mean she couldn't really hear me right now anyway also i've just seen someone have a juicer and it's never made me want a juicer more i think i'm more into juices than smoothies at the moment i really want to buy a juicer i have no money we've just got our electricity bill through and i literally have zilch so that's a shame but anyway the first set of questions from the question box that i asked yeah a couple of days ago but then i was just like i'll give everyone the opportunity to ask more because i was doing a workout anyway so i was like i'm not going to record for another hour but here we are so the first question How to overcome an identity crisis. Mm, I think it's realising that it's okay to have an identity crisis. It's okay to change who you are, to change what you're doing, to change where you're going, to change your beliefs about things. I think evolving your identity is one of the main... That's life. You're not going to stay the same person forever. And I think once you give yourself permission to change who you are and evolve who you are, stop seeing yourself as like a cookie-cutter version of yourself. Because I think of how many different ways that I've changed over the past like couple of years and there's so many things and I think sometimes you can feel guilty because you think you're not staying true to yourself because you're changing but reality is you're just growing and those core fundamental things about you are the same but if you stayed the same forever then it would be very boring so I think you overcome the identity crisis by giving yourself permission to change identity because I think there comes a crisis of like not knowing who you are and feeling like oh shit like what am I doing I don't know what I'm doing like I don't know who I am anymore but realizing that it's okay not to know who you are if you're realizing this it's probably because you know yourself more than you did before and maybe you're just fooling yourself Does that make sense I don't know but anyway that's how I that's what's helped me in kind of allowing myself to grow um dealing with embarrassment anxiety from past actions oh my god there's this one night out that gives me perpetual anxiety if I ever think back to it. There's like a specific memory where I know I'm dancing on a table. I know I am. Like I, I it, it's in flashes, it is in flashes, but I know my feet were on a table and this was not a place where you could dance on tables. But you know, we move. I think the way that I deal with embarrassment, anxiety from past actions, it's almost like I do exposure therapy to it. I make myself sit here sometimes and think about it. And then I just laugh because realistically no one else is thinking about it. Realistically, like it hasn't killed me. It's not going to come back and haunt me. 
it's not the end of the world. I think realising that it's not the end of the world has been helpful, but God, also don't feel like you're on your own with it. At least you want them, oh God, no, actually thinking back to that memory, I don't really want to go into it because it's so embarrassing, but realising that no one else is thinking about it. And if they are, it doesn't really matter. It's not going to be the end of the world, I promise. I feel like I'm wasting my youth by not going out. You're not wasting your youth. Your youth is whatever you want it to be. And I think this is what I'm starting to realise now is it's whatever you want it to be will mean it's that it's not a youth. If you, it, well, no, whatever you want it to be will mean it's not a waste because you're doing what you wanted to do in that moment. I think this is what I'm starting to realise a lot now is that I feel like I have a pressure to do certain things about myself with myself. Like I feel like there's a lot of pressure driving me forward. And like I was listening to a podcast yesterday and it was how there's two different factors. There's like driving factors, which is a more internal belief, like pushing you forward. But there's also beliefs and like self-limiting beliefs that drag you forward. Um, and I think this is one of those is realising that your youth isn't meant to be spent in any certain way. Your time isn't meant to be spent in any certain way. So however you spend it, as long as it's making you happy, it's not wasting it. The expectations, there's gonna, there's so much time to go out and drink and go to parties. There's so much time to do all of that. Being honest... I didn't really go out much, like, where I went to school, there was no one who really lived near me, because my school was, like, a 40-minute journey away from me, so everyone was in that town, I didn't go out all the time, I didn't, like, I didn't do loads of different things, it was probably quite boring, but, you know, it is what it is, and I don't feel like I wasted it, and I think also realising you have way more time in your youth than you think, if you're 16, 17, 18, promise you, they're not the, they're, they're not the best ones, it's when you get to, like, my age now, like, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26. That's the really fun years. It's really fun because you know more about yourself. You know who your friends are. You have good friends. You have, like... you. It's just more fun because you have more autonomy over who you are as a person. So I think you're not wasting your youth because your youth is so much longer than you think it's going to be. Um, How do you balance between me time and social things? I... um. I listen to what, how I'm feeling quite a lot. Like, I'm quite intuitive with how... Like, I know when I'm getting overwhelmed and I need to do things, but, like, what I struggle with is balancing between me time and not me studying because I, I struggle with that. And I also... I don't really find just lying in bed doing nothing that much fun. I don't enjoy it. It doesn't make me feel good. Um, which is an ADHD thing. It's totally fine. But it's realising that those things don't relax me, so that's not necessarily me time. Me time, for example, is me going for a walk. I'm going to go for a walk down the Thames today. I'm going to go see Buckingham Palace and do, like, a little sight city tour. That is me time. I enjoy doing that. I love going for, like, walks and stuff. I find that more relaxing and engaging than just lying in bed watching a film. And other people will find it the other way around, and that's absolutely fine. But I think the balancing the me time and social things is realising what thing, what is the you thing that's going to make you feel best and making sure you have time to do it. Because sometimes I think I used to try and fit me time in by like having a movie night on my own or something like that because I thought that that's what that meant, that like kind of like self-care type thing and I'm now realising that it doesn't have to be that because I never really wanted to fit that in and so that helps. Um, let me go on to the other questions now. I'm so sorry, I've just listened back to a few of the like points and my voice is so croaky and so disgusting, but we're here now, so I can't, I can't really change it. I can't really change it. I'm just a little bit ill. Um, okay, I've got quite a big question here. Recently, I've been bo- blocked by someone I care a lot, and I know why, because he blocked me, because he got, because she got, because I got a boyfriend some weeks ago, and he and I were so close, but I don't want more, and I just want to tell him that I still care about him so much, and I hope we can be friends again, but I don't know how. I think when you need to be, so with a situation like this, when someone blocks you because you got a boyfriend or something, they've blocked you, when I think about people that I've blocked in the past, they've blocked you because they need space from you right now, and it may be uncomfortable and it may not, you definitely just heard Maisie blow your nose. <laughs> it may be uncomfortable and it may not be the answer that you want to hear. But right now, they're focusing on themselves, just like you should focus on yourself. So I know that you want to tell them how much you care about them and you want to tell them how much they mean to you and you want to tell them that you want to still be friends. But it's not respecting their boundaries if you do that because they have blocked you. And I think it's really important as you get older and as you start to have relationships with people and you start to speak to different people and you start to make these connections is to be really aware of people's own boundaries that they put in place because sometimes those boundaries aren't going to be what you want them to be sometimes you're going to want to talk to people who you can't talk to because they've put a boundary in place because they're protecting their mental health so I think even though I'm sure it comes from a very good place of wanting to care and love for someone else 
my personal opinion is, and it's just my personal opinion. All of these things are my own personal opinion, okay? It's not truth or fact. It's just what I would advise my friends to do in the situation. I don't think you should contact them anymore. I think they've put that boundary in place. And when they're ready, they might get in contact with you. And obviously, if the time arises where that conversation comes into natural progression, then you can, like, it's fine if you see them in a pub or something like that. But I think... Actually, maybe not in a pub because they've, they've blocked you for a reason. They need that space. And I think it's really important to respect people's boundaries because if you carry on like going at them, going at them, going at them, going at them, it's not letting them move on because I know you want to stay friends and everything, but the truth is they might not. And that's absolutely fine because no one owes anyone anything. So I think it's really important to these types of situations to be respectful in them and acknowledging that different people's wants and desires might be different to yours. And even though you hope you still can be friends again, you have been blocked by them so you can't be do you know i think also this stems from if you've been blocked by something because you guys have broken up or something if they've just blocked if they're like your best mate and all of a sudden they've just blocked you i think having a conversation about it and asking why is fine but if you know why and if you if it kind of like is quite logical that they blocked you and i think about like exes that i've blocked because i just didn't want to see what they were doing i didn't want them to contact me anymore i just wanted some space because i was struggling to process it i think it's really important to give them that space to pro like give people space to process things and let them come to you when they're ready that will be my advice anyway. It might not be the right advice. It's just what I would tell my best friends if they were here. Right. So, 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 so. Let's move on to some of the other questions. This is very random. What is the accessory you cannot go without? Hmm, a bag. Is a bag an accessory or my headphones or my sunglasses? I feel like headphones is essential for me going anywhere. Like, I just don't go anywhere without my headphones anymore. A bag. I have so many handbags. I love a handbag. A scarf top type thing. No, not a scarf. That wouldn't be essential. I feel like sunglasses up-level every single outfit. I'm not including jewellery with this because I wear the same jewellery every single day. Like, there's variations, but I have my essentials. But, like, I don't think they're an accessory. I feel like they're part of me. So, maybe... Maybe my... Maybe... I feel like sunglasses just make every outfit look better. Um, but maybe a bag, is, does that count as an accessory? I don't really know. What's your take on Be Real? Hmm. It's easy to overthink it. Once you stop overthinking it and you start posting every single day and you realise it's not that deep, then it's quite funny. Um, but once I get out of the habit of it, I get out of the habit of it. And then I get a bit annoyed with myself. But I think Be Real, it's harmless. It's, it's a fun way to see it, stay in touch and see what people are doing. But also it's that other point of comparison, I think it only, it can be another thing of like seeing what everyone else is up to, thinking you're not good enough, it all perpetuates this negative side of social media, which is the constant need to compare yourself to others in that instant moment, so although it is realer, it's still, it's like, it's less fake, it's more realistic what everyone's doing, but still it's that point of comparison, so I think it's the same as all social media, it can be harmless, but I think out of all the different types, it's probably the least harmful one, but then everyone starts using it just to post their most exciting point in their day. And then it kind of like loses its thing. So I'm trying to stop doing that because I have been guilty of that. How to switch off from uni work and actually relax without overthinking. Working out what, um, working out how you relax. Because you might not relax how you think you relax. And that's why you're overthinking. I don't relax by lying down and doing nothing. I overthink if I do that. I relax by going for a walk and listen to a podcast, and that makes me switch off from uni work. So I think realising how you relax is really important. And we'll do a couple more. I'm going to do like three more because I'm realising that this has been 12 minutes, which is quite long. Um, how to stop overthinking having a negative effect on your relationship. Being open about what you're overthinking talking to people, communication, why are you overthinking, what you're overthinking about, tell them, and then they can stop you overthinking because they can stop that cycle perpetuating itself, I think that's what's really important, if someone says to you, if you're overthinking that they, I don't know, they don't love you anymore, for example, which is a quite an extreme one, but like, we all overthink big things like that, because they've like, maybe they haven't messaged you as much recently, or something like that, ask them, just be like, I know this is silly, and I know I'm overthinking it, and I know it's probably not true, but I've been overthinking a lot recently that you don't love me because you haven't really been messaging me as much and I just wanted to check in that everything is all right because I know I probably am overthinking this, but it has been worrying me. And then hopefully they'll tell you exactly what you want to hear. If they don't, then you at least you know, at least there's more clarity. Overthinking comes from a lack of knowing everything that's going on. And so I think by giving yourself the knowledge, then you can stop your overthinking and then you can stop that logical kind of like brain you can start logically thinking about things if that makes sense oh the questions have just gone there was one more um well no there was two more that I was gonna do I'm gonna do one from 
let me let me go into the secret questions which are always really interesting ever cried at school oh my god all the time i have cried everywhere i don't think there's like a place i haven't cried i cried so much at school like yeah like absolutely like not all the time i'm not I wasn't like crying consistently that would be strange but there was definitely points where i cried at school i feel like it gets very overwhelming at points. Friendships are hard at school. Teenage girls are nasty. Like, it's, it happens. Um, just got to get through it. School is not the most fun time of your life, I promise. It does get better. School can be really hard, but you will get through it, I promise. And then it's so much easier once you leave. It's so much easier. But I'm going to go for a walk on the Thames now and onto the new things I've done this week. I love you and I'll speak to you in... Oh, it's not the end, so I'll speak to you in the next segment. <laughs> to the new things that I've done this week which I actually have interesting things to report back to you on new things I've done this week watched you oh my god it's incredible you don't need to have watched season one two or three I watched season one and two didn't watch season three season four it's not even that related you just kind of had to like you could guess it from the first episode so that's incredible would definitely recommend watching other new things I think I'm about to finish Little Women and I have a horrible feeling about what is about to happen and I am scared, I can't lie. Also, I ran my fastest 10k. I did 10k in 44 minutes. On a treadmill, yes, but you know, I still did it, so that's all that matters. I need to go out for a walk today. I'm trying to make sure I do some form of exercise every day. I feel a little bit ill, so we're just going to go for a walk. I guess that's a new thing I've done this week, is listening to my body. If I'm feeling tired, if I'm feeling a bit run down, not pushing myself and making myself do things just because I think I should. I've also, I'm back on it now, but I took a little break from journaling and doing my morning routine and everything like that. I just took a little break from it. I don't know why. I've just been struggling to keep everything up and I think that's okay. I think the new things I'm doing now are listening intuitively to my body, listening intuitively to what I want to be doing because that makes me feel that I'm more, not more in control of it, but it makes me realise that everything isn't, life is not a routine there's not good or bad things that are going to happen depending on whether or not I do stuff and if I'm not in the mood to do something then I don't have to do it that's okay I think that I'm becoming more intuitive in the way that I eat and move and the actions that I take and I think that's important I think it shows like a trusting and knowing yourself which I think is a exciting way going forward other new things that I have done this week is honestly I'm going to go to Brighton on Friday, I think. I've never been to Brighton before. My auntie lives nearby and I think I want to go to Brighton for the day. It's only £13 from London, so that's going to be really cute and I'll tell you all about it in next week's episode. But I've had you here for long enough. I hope you're okay. I hope you're having a lovely week and please make sure you go and watch The Whale at the cinema. Be prepared to cry and bring tissues, but it's the best film you're going to watch this entire year. It was incredible and I loved it. But I hope you're okay and I love you and thank you for listening. Make sure you follow me on Instagram and on TikTok at you've got mail and score pod. And I can't wait to speak to you soon. I love you and yeah, I'll speak to you soon. Bye.